If you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. As we continue in the book of Ephesians, we have come to the sixth chapter and we're going to read verses 5 through 9. As I read it, I remind you that this is the Word of God. And I would encourage you to put a bookmark here because this will be uh, my, my text. Ephesians 6, 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Oh Lord, this is a, a, a difficult text only because it, it brings up the, the horrible sin of slavery and it confronts us with the fact that it is addressed here in the New Testament. So Lord, we're going to spend a little bit of the uh, introduction talking about, about that. But Lord, I, I do hope to demonstrate that um, it is not wrong for us to at least try to look at this in our context uh, as uh, employees and employers. Lord, we don't want to rush by the gravity, however, of the original text and the original audience who were literally in this congregation enslaved people. So Lord, just give us a, 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 an open mind uh, and open hearts to understand that reality, but yet also, Lord, to find what, what, what we can take from it. So, Lord, uh, use the preaching of your word this morning, I pray. Amen. Its origins cannot be located. It predates history. And in many parts of the world, it appears as early as there are historical records. It appears in Genesis and Exodus in the Code of Hammurabi. It was pervasive in classical Athens and Sparta and in ancient Rome. A third of the population of Italy lived under it during the rule of Augustus Caesar. Aristotle defended it as the natural order of humanity. Few ancient writers even considered the immorality of it. Long before Columbus, it was practiced in ancient Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, the Byzantine Empire, in Russia, among the Aztecs and Mayans. It was practiced throughout the Islamic world. The Spanish conquistadors found it when they arrived in Central America in the 1520s. Some societies used them as human sacrifice. It has a long and varied history in Asia. China had them as late as 1909. Of the million Jews to build the Great Wall, nearly half of them died doing it. 
In Korea, it wasn't abolished until 1894. Ethiopia allowed it until 1942. Saudi Arabia until 1962. Peru until 1964. And India didn't outlaw it until 1976. I could go on. What is it I'm talking about? Slavery. Europeans didn't invent the African slave trade. They found it already in progress and made it their own. Few slaves were ever captured by Europeans or Arabs. Virtually all the nearly 25 million Africans sold into slavery were taken and sold by fellow Africans. Slavery is a terrible crime against humanity. It is shameful and denies the truth of all of us being made in the image of God. The fact of slavery is a blight on American history. But it didn't start with America. It didn't start in 1619 or 1776. It is as old as sin. The Jews experienced 400 years of it in Egypt. Sadly, slavery still exists in many parts of the world. In Africa's largest nation, the Sudan, slavery is a daily occurrence. Modern-day human sex trafficking is slavery. It was the reality of the world that Paul lived in. In our text, Paul is not condoning it. He is, however, addressing those who lived under it. Critics spend too much time focusing on verse 5 and not enough time on verse 9. The seeds of slavery's demise are found in verse 9. Look at verse 9. And masters, do the same thing to them and, bring, and give up threatening, knowing that their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Look what Paul wrote to Philemon about the runaway slave Onesimus. Philemon 15. For perhaps it was for a reason, uh, separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. In Galatians 3.28, he wrote, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, <clears throat> for, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, verse 11. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freedman, but Christ is all and in all. The Bible, in fact, does condemn slavery. Exodus 21, 16. He who kidnaps a man, whether to sell him or is found in his possession, shall surely be put to death. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. And immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Kidnappers would be enslavers. 
In Paul's day, slaves were considered property. But Paul saw them as people. People made in God's image. In fact, in verse 5, when he says slaves, what we should take from that is that he is, he is directly addressing them. In fact, they are a, a part of the church at Ephesus. In fact, they are part of the ones he addressed in chapter 1, verse 1, when he calls them the saints who are at Ephesus. He considered them as saints. He considered them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He directly addresses them as part of the congregation. So look at verse 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Notice the word heart. Christianity gives us new hearts. And as hearts are changed by the love of Christ, society is changed. With the spread of Christianity, the end of slavery followed. Yes, it is horrible that it took our nation until 1865 to end it. But we paid a bloody price called the Civil War to do it. But yet it was the reality that Paul lived in and that he wrote about. Now, if you'll recall... Back in chapter 5, verse 22, through chapter 6, verse 9, um, Paul is dealing with a set of, of universal couplets. He's, he's dealing with human relationships that have always existed in all places and in all times. Husbands and wives, parents and children, Masters and servants. But he is revolutionizing them. He is fundamentally changing the nature of them. The big difference is that the one in the relationship who traditionally had the power was to look out, not for their own interests, but for the, be for, but for the best of the other person. That is what is so revolutionary here. Verse so, it, throughout time, there's been husbands and wives. But verse 28 says, chapter 5, 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his own wife loves himself. That was not how marriage was usually thought of in Roman and Greek culture. But he turns it on its head and says, Listen, husbands, your obligation is, is to love your wives as you would love your, your, yourself. He's, he's revolutionizing the, the relationship. Chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Again, in, in, in culture, fathers could do whatever they wanted to their, towards their children. They weren't obligated. But he turns it on its head. Listen, dads. Care about what your children think. Care about their spirit. Care about their relationship with, with, with the Lord. And again in chapter 6, verse 9. 
masters. Do the same things to them, which we will look at here shortly, what things he told them, told the slaves. But masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. Again, this is unheard of that a master would actually consider the needs of a, of a slave. That is revolutionary. In a larger context, we've been seeing here the evidences of being controlled by the Spirit. Remember chapter 5, verse 18? Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's been giving us evidences of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, including, of course, verse 21, which sets the table for, for this passage that we've been looking at. Start at verse 22. Verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. A sign of being spirit-filled is to be subject to each other, to be humble with each other, to consider the interest of others, not yourself. Husbands, consider the, the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the um, benefit of your wife. Dads, your children, masters, your slaves. So here are evidences of being controlled by the Spirit. So we saw the evidence of a wife being controlled by the Spirit in verse 22. Husbands being controlled by the Spirit in verse 28. Children being controlled by the Spirit in chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, when they submit to their parents. Fathers who submit to, to the, God's will, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. Slaves who submit to their masters, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And masters who, believe it or not, submit to their slaves, chapter 6, verse 9. Now, one of the foundational books I read about preaching, um, the classic which I hope they're still using uh, in training uh, pastors and preachers today, was uh, Between Two Worlds by John R.W. Stott. And in, this, in his book on preaching uh, Between Two Worlds, what he's saying is a, a, a pastor's obligation is to take the, the world that existed during the writing of the, of the Bible, particularly um, the New Testament, and bridge that gap to present day. How do we go from, you know, uh, 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 40 A.D. to 2022? And that's the challenge, of course, with, with this passage we're looking at this morning. Is it legitimate to, to apply these verses to our situation? Is it legitimate to say, well, we can look at this as employees and employers, we should never pretend that employment compares to slavery. It does not. It does not. We can't downplay the, the cruelty of slavery by just haphazardly saying, well, here, he's talking about working for the man. No, that's not what he's talking about. But is it legitimate for us to look at this passage and make application to us in a culture, in a society where slavery in our experience, does not exist. Again, there are, there's still slavery around the world. I'm not dismissing that. But that is not our experience. And I say it is legitimate to do that because of the greater context, which, of course, 
is the Lordship of Christ. Look at verse, chapter 6, verse 7. With good will render service as to the Lord. With good will render service as to the Lord. So under the Lordship of Christ, we find ourselves in a situation where we're employed, where we're to render a service to our employer, to our workplace, to our company, to our boss. How, does, how would the Lordship of Christ impact that relationship based upon what he's, he's writing here? Again, you cannot, uh, you cannot read this passage 5 through 9 and not notice how many times it mentions Christ. Verse 5, as to Christ. Verse 6, but as slaves of Christ. Verse 7, as to the Lord. Verse 8, from the Lord. And then verse 9, their master and yours in heaven. So what we have here is the Lordship of Christ over labor. The Lordship of Christ over labor. In previous weeks, we have seen uh, spirit-controlled marriages. What does a spirit-controlled marriage look like? We have seen uh, spirit-controlled families. What does a spirit-controlled family look like? And now we apply that to labor relations. What would a spirit-controlled company look like? What would a spirit-controlled employee look like? What would a spirit-controlled employer look like? And I think we find two main ideas here, two main principles. Firstly, employees have the duty to obey and respect their employers. Spirit-filled employees, employees under the Lordship of Christ, have a duty to obey and respect their employers. Obey, by obey I mean action, actively, and, and, and by respect I mean attitude. We obey those in authority over us both in our actions, right, and our attitude. Verse 5. Slaves, or I will say employees, be obedient to those who are your masters. That word obedient is the same word back in verse 1 of chapter 6, where it says, children, obey your parents. Employees, obey your boss. So I, my first question would be, okay, are you ready? Hey, dad. Do you obey your boss? Don't be so quick to make sure your, your, your children are obeying you if you're not obeying your boss. They have a command, right? You have a command. Well, why? Why should I? <laughs> Pastor Greg, you don't know the guy I work for. You don't know the, the woman I work for. Why, why, should I, why should I obey them? Verse 6. Um, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ because of who you're really working for. All right. Uh, notice, doing the will of God from the heart. Why should I obey my supervisor? Why should I obey my boss? Because, verse 6 says, it is the will of God. 
it is the will of God. Verse 7. Why? Well, with good will render service. Why? As to the Lord. As to the Lord. We are serving the Lord, not simply people. Verse 8. Knowing that whatever good each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. The Lord will reward us for our work. Slave or free. The Lord will reward us for our work. We go back to verse 5 again. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So we're to do it in uh, fear and trembling or, or respect and, and sincerity. In other words, I believe what that would mean is an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. An honest day's pay for an honest day's work. I love verse 6. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers. Now what's that mean? Well, that means that you're only working when the boss is watching. Right? You're only working when the boss is watching. Now, I've worked with a, you know, again, I've been in full-time ministry since I was 21 years old. But I did have a life before that. Not much of one, but I did. Okay? I worked uh, for a while for my dad at the machine shop. I worked there just long enough to know that I was not to be a machinist. <laughs> I did work in a restaurant. I worked in a restaurant for a while. I never will forget. I was, I was hosting. Now, back in the day, can you imagine this? This is how much the world has changed. To be a host, I worked in a chain called Bill Knapps. You probably never heard of it. It's long gone. But I, I was uh, what was called the third host, which means there was the manager, assistant manager, and then when they didn't want to do something, I did it, right? So I was, I was hosting one day at the door, and it was, it was a rush, and we're taking names, you know, to seat people. There was a wait. And a family comes in, and, and uh, he said, oh, there, there is uh, five of us. I said, all right, Smith, five. Next family comes in. He goes, there's four of us and a high chair. All right, Jones, four and a high chair. Well, we had a booth open up. You couldn't fit five people there, but you could put a high chair. So I took Jones ahead of Smith. Smith didn't like that. <laughs> he said to me, I don't remember what he said to me. He was mad. I, again, what, I'm just trying to... You are never going to make it in the restaurant business. And I said, I hope not. <laughs> I'll tell you one other story, and then, I, then I'll get back to my sermon. <laughs> in our part of southern Ohio, if you do not clearly hear what someone says, your response is, please, please which I guess is short for, please repeat that, right? But I just grew up with that. I didn't hear what you said. I'd say, please, and then they would repeat it. That, that's what you did in Southern Ohio. That's not what you do in Michigan. <laughs> so I'm, at this, I'm working in the restaurant, and this, this young man comes up to me. He was probably eight, nine, ten, and he says something to me, but I didn't hear what he said. And I said, please, and he goes, can I have some napkins, please? <laughs> 
But anyway, back on point. Verse 6 is, when it says, not as, as a way of eye service as men pleasers. Again, that is someone who simply works hard with the bosses around, but not when the boss is not around. Don't be that way. So, back to verse 5. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and a sincerity heart, as to Christ. Now, what this means is, there, there's no division between secu- secular and sacred. Okay? I mean, you know, as a pastor, I, I run into this constantly. If you want to put a damper on a conversation, tell a stranger you're a pastor. It's like they immediately have no idea what to say. Right? You know? Uh, or be a pastor's wife. If, if they cuss at work, their first response is, oh, sorry, Sharon. <laughs> right? Sharon tells them, I'm not the Lord you took in vain. <laughs> right? But we, we make this dichotomy between sacred work and secular work. I'm in sacred work. I'm in the ministry. Right? You're in secular work. Hey, you know who we all work for? The Lord. I have a specific gift. I have a specific ability that God has blessed me with. And I've been able to, to use it to make a living since I was 21 years old. As I've said many times, I haven't worked a real job in, since I was 21 years old, right? But I do. I, I, I work for the Lord. But you know who you work for? The Lord. The Lord. The best way to witness on the job is to do a good day's work. The best way to witness on the job is to do your job well. Secondly, employers have the duty to care for their employees. Now, you heard everything I just said, right? Five, six, seven, eight. Look what he says in verse 9. Masters do the same things to them. Treat them the way that you want them to treat you. Right? You want respect? Treat them with respect. You want service from the heart? Then you serve them from the heart. So again, verse 9, as I said, kind of turns this whole concept on its head. Employers submit to their employees. Right? Again, verse 9. And masters do the same things to them. If they're to submit to you, you submit to them. Because we're all to be submitted to the Lord. Remember? Verse 22, as to the Lord. Verse 25, just as Christ. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1, in the Lord. Verse 4, of the Lord. Verse 5, as to Christ, employers are to seek their welfare. What is best for them? Employers have a duty to listen to their employees. Not, verse 9, and masters do the same things to them and give up all threatening. Now again, the context there particularly would have been slavery. Um, but I'm sure in a present day context, there are many employers who threaten 
Again, I'm not talking about having the code of conduct and job performance and, you know, but they just, they use that, that heavy handedness to control their employees. And here's a big one. We'll close with, with this one. Verse nine. And masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality in him. Hey, bosses, don't play favorites. Now, again, we all know that there are workers who excel at their job more than others, and with that comes certain rewards and benefits. I, I'm not, we're, not, we're not talking about homogenizing, you know, everybody is not the same, okay? But I would say this means employees should know what is expected. And if they do what's expected, then there should be no favorites, When it comes to employment, we all answer to somebody. For the Christian, it begins with the lordship of Christ. Living under his lordship impacts our everyday relationships, right? What did we see here? At home, at work, at church. Jesus is Lord at home, at work, at church. So I leave you with this question before we take communion. Who do you work for? Who do you work for?